0: well hello there it is good to see you again and welcome back to advance your wealth with homer smith I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. It's good to be back with you guys as always. And of course, I have our right-hand man, Mr. Homer Smith, private wealth advisor, joining me today. And we're going to be doing something a little different on the show today. We're going to be taking a look really at the market as a whole today, kind of reviewing where we've been so far this year, where we're headed, and looking at some of the key themes and key analysis that go along the way. And joining us here on the show today, we also have two very special guests. We have Mr. David Wagner, and David Wagner being an equity analyst and portfolio manager over at Aptis capital advisors. And in addition to David, we also have John Luke Tyner that's joining us. John also a portfolio manager and works with the fixed income over there. So we're excited to be joined by those two today. They're going to help take a look at this market you know, dynamic and where we're kind of headed as well as what we've seen thus far and try and analyze some of those trends. But first, let's go ahead and welcome Homer on and say, hey, Homer, it's good to see you today. How are you doing, sir?
1: Hey, Ryan. Good to see you as always. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, we were just saying before we punched the punch the record button, but we're busy as always, but busy good, especially this time of the year. So, Homer, uh, why don't you frame things up for us to kind of kick off today's discussion? I know we've got two special guests that you want to introduce and uh, kind of just let the audience know where we're headed with today's episode in particular.
1: Well, that's great. And uh, part of the the switch up is historically what I've always done, you know, on a monthly and quarterly basis is give our convergent view of the markets and the economy, what happened in the previous quarter, and and what are some of the things we're looking out for in the quarter coming up? And and one thing we always focus on is, you know, we're not trying to predict the future. I, I don't think anybody is really capable of doing that. And so, rather, our focus is on always being prepared for whatever might come next. And you know, for those clients that are watching this, uh, we've walked you through over the last couple of years, our philosophy on on managing money in this environment, and that, you know, over the last forty years. We've been in a, in a very particular you know, time in history where certain things converged. If you go back to the early 80s and interest rates were you know, in the in the mid-teens, uh, inflation was double digits. The top tax rate was 70 plus percent, uh, federally at least. Um, and we had just come out of a decade of the 70s with effectively no um, nominal economic growth and no stock market growth for, for over a decade. And it was the setup for what really drove uh, a very strong period for stock and bond market returns over the next 40 years. But basically, from that point on, falling interest rates, falling inflation, falling taxes, falling regulatory environment, and that led to a, a very strong economic environment for those 40 years, and for the most part, very strong uh, stock market growth. And if you go to the very beginning of 2021, and you look back at the decade previous to that, we had extremely high stock market growth and, and economic growth coming into that. And so as we went through COVID and as the markets and the economy were getting a little weird, we, we kind of asked ourselves, you know, given that in 1981, we had that setup. And if you go to the beginning of 2021, we had almost the opposite setup with interest rates near zero, inflation near zero, the lowest tax rates we'd had in recent history and coming out of a decade of very strong economic growth and stock market growth. Could we expect the same types of returns and our answer was, we're not sure, but we're, we're concerned that we're going to see the same outcome. And so we started doing a lot of research and recognizing at the end of the day, what we felt would be best is for clients. True diversification is not just a mix of stocks and bonds and private equity and venture, but it's actually making sure you have a good defense and asset classes that provide good defense um, in your portfolio at all times to co- to complement those offensive asset classes. And so we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years on our own, but as we've grown, we've really recognized the need to bring more firepower and more expertise to the table for our clients. And we've been on a search for that entire period to find who's the right group, the right research group um, to work with and partner with to help us improve, better manage, optimize the work that we are doing and bring their expertise to the table. So I'm really excited today to, to have our first you know, quarterly market economic update where we bring in Aptus Capital Advisors, um, and we have Dave and, and John Luke from that team today, uh, and excited to get their insights um, and expertise to help all of you. Again, just get our view of what's going on. We know you guys can get your news from CNBC every day, and and you know we're not going to talk just pure stock market returns, but what's our interpretation of this going on, and and what are we? What are some of the things that we're looking around corners around um, to see all that? So. Uh, so excited to have uh, our team and partners on the call with you all today. So, welcome, uh, Dave and John Luke. How are you guys doing? Yeah, thanks, Homer.
2: Doing great. Dave. Yeah, thanks so much for having us today. We're yeah. excited for this.
1: Good, excellent. Well, I think probably the be best is to give you guys a chance to introduce Aptis and what you guys are all about. Um, and, uh, and then we'll dive into just uh, some open-ended questions on on what we see going on out there. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Homer.
3: At At, at Aptis, we have a very differentiated approach. I think you spoke very per- perfectly to the intro as far as just the environment that we've seen and and how we've started as a company at Aptus. But we really focus on options based exposures through ETFs, and as as well as just portfolio construction. And we view volatility as an asset class across our portfolios. And so I, I think it's just a, it's a very a good complement with convergent to a partnership. Have a partnership with y'all's team.
1: That's great. So, as part of our all weather approach, we always talk about long volatility as an asset class or volatility as an asset class, and it's always hard to describe exactly what that is. Um, you know, I'm not going to ask you to go into the weeds of, of what that means today. We've we spent a lot of time with clients, but <clears throat> given you know last year, so you know, looking at last year uh, as interest rates were going up and, and inflation rising. Uh, we saw a lot of volatility in the bond space and and, the, and obviously the stock market. And for the first time in many years, you know, saw those two converge together in, in correlations. Um, and I think many expected, including I think even our team expected, you know, more of the same coming into this year, given the environment we were headed into. But that's not been the case uh, so far this year, at least through the first quarter um, uh, so far this year. So, you know, from your guys' view of things, What's happened so far this year? Why, when you know, we're seeing economic slowdown and, and concerns around um, inflation persist, you know, wh- why do you guys think the market is up still so far this year, in spite of some of the, the larger concerns that are out there?
2: Yeah, Homer, I'll take that one. I, I think you know that is a question that we continue to get because a lot of the sins that the market has, you know, had over the last 10, 12 years through quantitative easing, you know, it's almost like the market hasn't gone to reconciliation for it just yet. Obviously last year for the, what I would consider to be the antiquated 60-40 portfolio, it had its third worst year since 1929. So it was a very bad last year, but we still think that a lot of those sins have been atoned for. So, you know, Homer, um, at Aptus, we kind of like to look at the market, you know, via, through the lens of analogies and through themes. And heading into the year 2022, our theme was off of an HBO show by Larry Davids, was investors need to curb their enthusiasm. And given what the 60-40 portfolio did last year, Given how bonds were no insulation to equities during that volatile period, you know, investors definitely do did have to curb their enthusiasm. So that led us almost to this year's 2023's theme for the market at Aptus, And it was based off a 2000, I believe, movie by the Coen brothers. And it's off of one of the main songs in the movie, a, a man of constant sorrow. But to put in the tune of the market, we're saying it's a market in constant sorrow. It's not saying that we're going to have another year this year like we had last year it's the fact that we need to continue to start looking at this market differently exactly what you alluded to there homer you know let's go back to 1981 when inflation was running rink, when bonds weren't the insulative aspect to the portfolio it's more of, hey we might have this continued constant sorrow for those who don't look at this market differently if they just you know, rely on, like I said, the antiquated 60-40 portfolio, you may have consistent sorrow moving forward in the future. So that's why it's so apparent that we do need to look at this market from a different angle. We need to play defense to have some type of offense moving forward. You know, we need to do better in the tails on the left side and on the right side.
1: So we are recording this, you know, first week of May. So by the time, you know, you view in this, you know, some, the next Fed beating is going to have happened and and hasn't happened before we did this recording. But, you know, one of the things we have seen, I know, know, in, in a lot of the research we've done, it's seen is that it typically takes about 18 months for a Fed rate hiking cycle to really work its way through the system. So that probably means we're still three plus months away from really seeing some of the major effects. Although, you know, early March, we started to see some of that with the banking crisis and the, the collapse of a couple of major banks, and then even the last week or so, um, adding First Republic to that mix. So, um, in your guys' view of things, you know, and what led to the banking crisis? And you know, Jamie Dimon I think came out uh, early this week and basically said it's over. We're all good now. Um, how, how do you guys view that? And are we still? Is there is there more risk ahead um, in the banking sector?
3: Yeah, there there are certainly some problems that banks faced with just the rapid rise in interest rates that we saw. And, you know, a lot of them just simply followed what the Fed told them, that inflation was transitory and that rates weren't going to have to rise drastically. And so what did they do? They took in a bunch of deposits and then they bought a bunch of long-term bonds to lock in spread. And really what they saw in the face of that was massive losses on the bonds that they then had to realize to make cold depositors for their capital. And so, you know, I think ultimately the, the the question is really two two parts. Number one is the safety of the banking system, which I think needs to be instilled by Janet Powell, uh, by Janet Yellen, and, and Chairman Powell, uh, to to solidify just the safety of of banks, and maybe that involves increasing the FDIC limits for corporations. But really, the other side is, you know. We're, we're fighting an uphill battle because of where treasury bills are in money markets. And everyone is um, pretty savvy now that we're connected with online banking and everyone can look at their phone and, and move around their deposits quickly. But why wouldn't you move your cash from 0% interest rates at Chase Bank into a you know, 5% paying money market fund? And we continue to see that. And I think tomorrow with another rate hike, that that probably exacerbates the issue again. I mean, like the scary part of
2: this go around on a banking crisis is, is this banking crisis is very different than any of the two previous banking crises that we had. If you go back to the financial crisis of 07, 08, if you go back to the savings and loan crisis of, you know, the 1980s, those were different crises. Those two were more due to credit problems themselves. It was, hey, I made loans and, you know, the people just didn't pay me back. In the 80s, it was more on the CRE loan portfolio. And obviously, the financial crisis was more on the residential side. But to John Luke's point here, this is collateral damage due to interest rates. It's losses on the loan and security portfolios. And you know, banks just got you know crazily about taking on a whole lot of interest rate risk that really made no sense. But the weird part to me on this is was the fact that a lot of this has been known for the last year, that a lot of these banks are going to have to take a lot of losses. But people just didn't care about it. And it wasn't until, you know, we had one issue is when everyone started to care about it. So this, this, this go around definitely seems a little bit different than the last year that we've been accustomed to.
1: And I think it was interesting to me as this all played out was, um, in our, in my, I guess, concern about what's going on right now is bad news is still good news. And that, you know, we saw the collapse, you know, three three of the four largest now, I think, after First Republic Bank collapses in history have happened, um, yet the market continues to march higher in general, uh, because our, you know, at least our view of it is people believe, well, the Fed has to pivot now. They can't keep affording to raise rates and creating this, this ongoing issue of higher money market rates versus deposit rates bank can pay. You know, So given that we have this banking crisis, but on the other hand, we have seemingly sticky inflation you know, a stronger than expected economy up to this point, that's kind of hanging in there and a very sticky jobs market. You know, what, how is the Fed going to navigate this, you know, and your guys's, uh, or what should they, I guess, in your opinions, at least, what, how should they be thinking about this or what should we expect and investors expect is going to, how this is going to play out, given all these issues, that this, this two-sided issue they have to face here.
2: I'll start quickly here, John, Luke, and I'll let you really take the Fed, but You know, uh, let's touch based on that first comment you made there, Homer. It's like, hey, bad news is good news. Uh, And that's so backwards because I think that there's a lot of recency bias in the markets. When the Fed does have a pivot, that tends to mean that everything is fine in the market. If you go back to March 23rd of 2020, when the Fed announced unlimited quantitative easing, the market was up like 10% over the next seven days. But, you know, you need to have a look at a larger subset of data of what actually happens to the market when the Fed pivots. Historically speaking, Fed pivots have not been great for the markets uh, whatsoever because the Fed pivots because something has been broken. Something has very much gone wrong. And if you look at the data over the last eight, uh, eight times the Fed has pivoted, the market doesn't bottom for another 195 trading days. And it sees market price degradation of like 23 and a half percent for the S&P 500. So that's why I don't believe in, you know, uh, I don't agree with pardon me that, you know, bad news is good news for the market. And then everyone's rooting for some type of pivot.
3: Yeah, I, I think the point on just the volatility of inflation that we've seen will, you know, really hone in on the asset allocation question that we initially talked about. And ultimately, the, the most important part of, of our, our interaction with customers and and, and clients is, is how is their portfolio constructed for this environment moving forward? But if the Fed has, a, a you know, a three-pronged mandate of inflation, low inflation, you know, relatively low em- employment, unemployment, and uh, financial stability, you have to kind of think about the, the, the tools that they have and where we are in that environment. And, you know, unemployment is still very low, 3.5%. Inflation is still pretty high and, and, and seemingly sticky, especially across some of the services type of data points. And, and then when you look at financial stability, like some of the, the, the banks that we've mentioned have had problems, They've been the Fed has been very quick to sort of isolate and stick those problems, uh, you know, with different facilities and and things like that, which have have worked in easing the markets. And so, you know, at this point, I don't see the Fed being able to pivot at any point soon. And our thoughts, you know, globally at Aptis, are we're probably plus you know over five percent Fed fund rate for the foreseeable future. And there's very little chance of us seeing rate cuts like as soon as July, as what you know the market is is thinking. So
1: you know, higher for longer, for sure. So given that, you know, my, as I've talked to clients about this, you know, I told them when, when we know that this is really potentially coming to fruition, maybe some of the, the, the potential downside out there is when bad news becomes bad news again. And so what, what are some of those potential landmines that you guys see out there, whether it's in the, you know, we hear a lot about the commercial real estate space and I see both sides. Some people say this is a, a huge canary in the coal mine. Others say, it's just not that big of a deal. You get to the corporate debt space and the rollovers that are coming um, with, you know, the COVID loans that everybody got to do. You know, are those really issues? Um, and if, if, if those aren't, are there others that you guys are watching that you know could be you know, some of these issues that come to fruition later this year as rates stay higher for longer?
3: Yeah, On, on the corporate debt side, we've certainly seen a number of borrowers the last several years really extend the profile of their debt, which I think helps them weather this storm. The real problem, I think, is like on some of the floating rate bank loans that are out there where you actually see those reprice, you know, in lockstep with Fed policy. So if you talk about a slowing economy or a potential recession and credit spreads blowing out and and those guys needing needing to to, refinance at substantially higher rates, that could lead to some trouble um, on the fixed income side. And we've certainly been a, a proponent of avoiding those sectors.
2: And I think the wild card thing here is well, one I would say that a lot of the things that can break the market or that actually does break the market isn't what is expected. I think that there's a lot of investors out there climbing a wall of worry right now. Well, there, there are a lot of worries out there in the market. I mean, my biggest theme that I've been saying this year this year that could you know cause some rift in the market is that we're going to go from inflation to growth frustration. So we're going to see some type of substantial earnings decline. But the wild card here for me is actually the the debt ceiling. All right. Because obviously, I think if we go to recency bias, you think back to 2011, when the basically the U.S. defaults on their debt. Well, they basically saw a uh, lowering of their credit rating by the S&P 500 and and Moody's. And you had the market drop 17 and a half percent. I think it was like in June or or July of 2011. I mean, there's a lot of similarities to this year as there was in 2011. You know, a Democratic president, a split Congress, you know, a lot of turmoil uh, going on from a growth perspective in Europe. But there are some non-similarities this year that actually make me more scared about the debt ceiling crisis this year than t- 2011. Well, one, you actually just had last night, Janet Yellen come out and say, you know, hey, you know what? I think June 1st is gonna be kind of the D-day the, the where we can no longer pay our bills. If you go back to rewind to January, she said that was like late June, early July. But the, the biggest kicker for me here is it's kind of what John Lute just alluded to right there. Right now, 50% of the U.S. debt expires in the next three years. It has an average coupon rate, so an average interest rate of 1.84%. All right. And if we're going to have rates continue to stay higher for longer, much like John Luke said that we believe in, you know, the debt load of what the government's going to have to pay from an interest expense perspective on them rolling over this debt is going to be exorbitantly high. I mean, you have the U.S. two-year treasury right now trading at 4%. And like I just mentioned, the average... average coupon for their maturities right now is 1.84 percent yeah that's going to really throw a uh, wrench in the spokes of the tires when they're trying to balance a budget
1: yeah all good well um before we wrap up i want to keep this short and sweet appreciate your guys' time today any any uh i guess additional comments on you know we've always talked a lot about our approach and how it, it matches closely with with yours and, and making sure we got good defense on the field. So just at a high level without necessarily getting into specific investments, how would you guys be approaching, you know, construct, I know every client's different, their needs are different, but in general, um, how would you guys be thinking about approaching what's, what's to come here in the next six months?
3: Yeah, no, it's a great question, Homer. I, I think portfolio construction moving forward requires a totally different lens than what we've seen the last 40 years. You know, it depends on things that we know and more importantly, things that we don't know that that tend to happen that really spook markets. But in general, we see viewing more equities with guardrails or some sort of hedged exposure as providing opportunity to to stay invested, which is important, especially in an inflationary environment where your equities have the ability to keep up with inflation and provide some real returns. So after inflation returns. And so, you know, incorporating long volatility, incorporating hedges into the portfolio gives us the ability to stay invested and to not worry about large left tail events because we have positions in place that can actually take advantage of that.
1: And when you say left tail, just for the viewing audience. um, Yeah, so,
3: so left tail, like a black swan or some type of market event, that is very unexpected. So if we saw a sudden drawdown like COVID, COVID would be an excellent example of the left tail environment where things rapidly deteriorate.
1: Perfect. Dave, any uh, final uh, thoughts from your end as well?
2: You know, I think as the market continues to evolve, you have to evolve your strategy with it. And that's why I think this partnership just works so well, because it feels like we've been innovative. We've been on the forefront on how to think differently in this type of environment to make sure that we do not inject some type of longevity Uh, risk into the portfolio, What longevity risk is basically, you know, an advisor having to go to a client and say, Hey, you know, you have to work longer, or you have to start spending less, they're never great conversations to have. So I think a lot of the things that we're being proactive right now, you know, evolving with the market is definitely tacking that risk that I think a lot of people that utilize the antiquated 64 6040 portfolio are unintentionally and unknowingly injecting that risk into their portfolio.
1: That's great. Well, um, appreciate you guys joining today. I, you know, one of the roles that we play for clients is, is being this coordinator of experts. And while I, you know, we have a lot of experience and expertise in our team, you know, over, you know, myself 20 years doing this, um, you know, our role really is working with our clients individually and helping them make smart decisions. And so bringing in resources and expertise, like you all bring to the table with, you know, a team, uh, of experts that we get to take advantage of and, and access, just really excited for the partnership and, and. And looking forward to to doing more of these in the future and and being able to share your guys' wealth of knowledge and experience with our clients as well. So appreciate you joining the show today.
0: Fantastic, guys. And Homer, look, I know we've thrown a lot at our audience, a lot of considerations for what is to come later in this year. I'm sure there might be some questions out there for anybody, Homer, that is interested in opening up a dialogue with you to get your two cents on what is to come and any recommendations and strategies that maybe they should be considering for their financial portfolio or their financial world for lack... Lack of a better term, uh, what would be the best way they can get in touch with you guys and just open up that conversation?
1: Yeah, I think the best way always is to, to come to our website, um, and you you can reach out to us via email uh, uh, as well, and just say, hey, we need to have a call and, and talk about what's going on with our portfolio, and would love a review, love a second pair of eyes on what we're doing, and, and see if there might be some opportunities to again add some of that defense in uh, to uh, help you know su- supplement the the offense that they have going on.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Well, Homer, look, I appreciate you and your time and you get busy guy. I'll let you get back to serving your clients, but uh, looking forward to having you back on the next one and uh, another great conversation with some good guests.
1: All right. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it.
0: Of course, of course. And hey, look, folks, we wanna take one final moment as always, and thank you guys for jumping aboard and being with us on the show here today. If you did take anything away from today's conversation, you benefited from it in any way, shape or form, well, make sure you subscribe to the show then on whichever platform you checked us out on today. That way you never miss out on a future episode where Homer, myself, and any of our esteemed guests dive into these different wealth management topics so that you and yours can come out better for it. On the other side, a great conversation surrounding the markets currently, as well as what we're you know expecting here as we roll through the remainder of the year, Uh, David Wagner, John Luke Tyner from uh, Aptis Capital Advisors, we appreciate you guys for being on board. But uh, for Homer, for John Luke, for David, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long now, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Advance Your Wealth.
1: All opinions expressed by Homer Smith are solely Smith's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Integrated Wealth Concepts, LLC, Integrated, or its parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated by Smith on television, radio, internet, or another medium. We should not treat any opinion expressed by Smith as a specific inducement to make particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Smith's opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither integrated nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Smith integrated its affiliates and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided. Smith's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Neither Smith nor integrated guarantees any specific outcome or profit. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed by Smith or anyone else. Strategies or investments discussed may fluctuate in price or value. Investors may get back less than invested. Investments or strategies mentioned on this website or in the show may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned by Smith. Before acting on information you hear, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Investment advice offered through Integrated Financial Partners, a registered investment advisor. Integrated Financial Partners provides investment advisory services through several Doing Business As names. The information in this material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Integrated Financial Partners does not provide legal, tax, mortgage advice, or services.
0: Integrated Partners and Convergent Wealth Partners are separate entities from Aptis Capital Advisors.